to Afraid Not Podcast with Jill McCormick and Robin Wall. We believe that our stories matter and make us who we are. Every other week, we invite guests to join us and share their stories. Even though our stories have nots, we are not afraid. Our stories are afraid. They are not perfect. We believe the truth of our mess makes us stronger. We hope that God uses these stories to encourage and strengthen your faith as you trust in Him. Our theme verse is Colossians 1, 17, which says, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, even our frayed knots. Today we're talking to Abby Belcher, and you guys are going to love her so much. She is so full of joy and happiness and just energy. It was just a fun conversation. Oh, I just can't get enough of Abby Belcher. She is a great example of a wife, mom, and a a professional, too. She has worked as a Medicare Advantage salesperson. But what she's going to talk about that's really the heart of today is... Um, She is going to talk about a time in her life where both of her parents lived with her and her husband and their three children. Um, One of her parents had Alzheimer's and the other one was blind. So for 17 years, they took care of them. And it was quite a job, and they took it on because that's what they felt like the Lord was telling them to do. So I think you're going to really like this story. And I I needed some Kleenex for a couple times, so just a little bit of a heads up there. (laughs) It's pretty special. So listen in. Thanks so much for agreeing to do this with us today, Abby. Thank you for having me. We have had you on our list for over a year. So, listeners, Jill and I are really excited that Abby's (laughs) here, and this is great. We prayed that this would happen, and Abby's here to share her story. So thank you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. And would you start with just introducing yourself to our listeners? Let them know who Abby Belcher is. Sure. So um, my name is Abby Belcher. I um, am married to David Belcher. We've been married for over 30 years. And I have three children, Stephen, Seth, and Sarah. And they are all grown up and and don't live with us anymore. So we are empty nesters. Um, and that's kind of my family. They're, Stephen is having a baby this year. Hi. How exciting. I know. And Seth bought a house in Owasso, so we're trying to hold him as close as we can. And then Sarah's getting married in August. So we have have some exciting things happening. At the time this episode airs, it'll just be a few days away from her wedding. Um, Like a week or two or something like that. How exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, we're not quite finished, so I hope we'll we'll stretch that out a little bit. Yeah, the closer it gets to these wedding plannings, I'm like, oh. Jill's yes. in that boat as well. Yes, you realize all the details that you didn't yeah. didn't think about. Yeah. So, right. Like That's where we are. Together. Yeah, okay. it, it will. will. It will. It will be beautiful. One way or another, they're getting married. So, <laughs> it'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you and David meet? Well, um, I was a senior in high school, and David was a freshman in college, and we both worked at Swenson's. I don't know if you've heard of Swenson's before. It's a little ice cream restaurant. I don't even know if they have them anymore, but he was the ice cream maker, 
So there was like a little booth and everybody could watch him make the ice cream and he wore this orange lab coat in there. And so I thought, he's important. So he, um, uh, I told my parents, you know, he's a professional because he wears a lab coat, even though it was orange. And they were not t- completely impressed with that. And he, since he was a year older than me, they, they pretty much forbid me from dating him because I was still in high school. Now, had it been the year before, it might have been okay. But anyway, when they forbid me to see him, that made him just unbelievably attractive to me. Uh, Of course. And so I just could not get enough of David Belcher. So we, um, (laughs) we dated for like 11 years. And our first date, our very first date, was a Willie Nelson concert. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And then last Did you year, say you dated 11 uh-huh, years? Uh-huh. 11. 11. Wow. And then last oh year, goodness. our 30th wedding anniversary, Willie Nelson was coming in town. And so we celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary to go see Willie Nelson again. Of course, oh. everybody in there was like our age. One person stood up and we're like, sit down, you know, because <laughs> nobody was standing up anymore. He'd throw out a little scarf and he'd go to like to the front row. And, but it was fun. We all just sang all his old songs and everybody oh. there was, all the people were so nice that were sitting around us. And yeah, it was fun. Did you and David have a special song that you're like, this is our favorite Willie Nelson song. This oh, is it. I don't know if I can say that or not, but we sang along with all of them. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we all sang as much as he sang. People <laughs> beside us, us, even David kind of jumped in there a little bit and he's not, <laughs> you know, he's not as out there as... Just maybe I am. But he, he, he was singing, too, just tapping his foot a little bit, too. So it was fun. It was fun. And something that is a fun connection for our listeners to know is that all three of us attend the same church and have had fun interactions with you over the years. I've enjoyed being on the same team with Abby, with Women's, women's Ministry, and I've really enjoyed hearing her speak to our youth at times with speaking in Sunday school settings or Wednesday night settings, different times. So um, I really, I'm so grateful for how you've used your gifts in the church. But um, tell a little bit about how, as you have just been following the Lord, how He's just opened doors of just ministry for you. Like you've worked with teenage girls, Mm -hmm. Sunday school, what other kinds of Okay. Well, I, I guess I could, I'll, I'll start that with, um, I grew up in church. I was lucky enough to have some parents that um, loved God and completely, I think, understood the verse, love God and love other people. So mm-hmm. I watched them go to church and I watched them love people. Where did you grow up? Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. Mm-hmm. Elvis. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I really believed Elvis would give me a car when I turned 16 because he gave people cars all the time. Oh. But then he died before I turned 16. So that's probably the one thing that stopped that from happening. Oh, I'm but, sure. mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. but anyway, um, I loved church then and I still do. And I remember hearing Bible stories that just just amazed me and I love reading them still. So that's kind of, I guess, what got me started. And then um, when we started working in the youth, partially, or serving is really the better word, but we, David and I both were in the youth and our kids were in the youth. So we kind of moved up with them. Wherever they were, we tried to be involved in either that age or the age that was right above them. So we got a little bit of a glimpse of 
what we were about to face <laughs> and what, what it would happen in their mm-hmm. their little lives. So we worked there for many, many years for sure. And then one Sunday, I got a couple of clues that we were getting too old to be in there. But oh, one, really? Yeah. But one Sunday, <laughs> I ignored a lot of them, but then one Sunday we were having a lesson and um, the lesson was really about... Um, we're trying to encourage them to read the Bible for themselves because I nor their parents can tell them everything they need to know. Right. I can't tell you every danger. I can't tell you every path you need to take. You have to read the Bible for yourself and let him lead you where you mm-hmm. want to go. And so I said, now let me give you an example. My parents never told me to be careful on the computer. They didn't tell me about the dangers of the computer, and they didn't tell me what advantages were out there either. Um, and it was because we didn't have computers, and they had never heard of computers. And so one person raises their hand, and she says, did y'all have phones? And I went, oh, it's time for us to go. <laughs> because, yes, we did have phones. Do you think I'm that old? And But then when we got home, David reminded me that we didn't really have the phones they have. We had a phone that was in the kitchen on the yes, wall. With a long, long curly yes, cord. about a mile and a half long cord. Yeah. And, but even so, even though it was long, your mother could hear what you were saying. And Absolutely. if you were talking about somebody or something you shouldn't be saying, then as soon as you got off the phone... You got a little dose of, Mm -hmm. how would you feel if someone said that about you? And, you know, what does that Mm -hmm. look like? And why do you think God really cares for for that? What if God said that about you somewhere? And so, yeah. It was a it was a different day and time for sure. So, but we realized, okay, it's time for us to move forward. So now we go to uh, adult Sunday school class. Yes, now so she's one of my Sunday school. We classes. go to the Sunday school class together. So yeah, Yay. so we um, and then and we face different things in there too. But all, always still, um, the stories of the Bible I just think are so cool. I, I did go to a um, Christian high school, which. I really think they tried hard to make the Bible boring. I do. I think they tried hard. Really? (laughs) Because I did not enjoy those classes. But I loved church and go Sunday school and hearing the stories there they were just put in a different light there's a disconnect there yeah the Bible's not boring no and so in fact it's not even g-rated yeah no no (laughs) it is not in fact um we would I would try to just weave in stories that would get my kids attention at times Mm -hmm. and so I think my boys might have been they could have been in high school, but if they were, it was younger high school. And so we were talking about something came on the news about a, I don't even remember, but somebody did something at work and it wasn't good. And I said, now, who is that person that wanted their wife to like dance naked maybe at a business party? Who was that? And my boys were on Eyes it. open. <laughs> they were what? like, I don't know. Who was that? And I'm like... I'm not sure, but she didn't do it, I think. Is that right, David? And, of course, David's like, I don't think she did. And I said, she didn't do it. She kind of got kicked to the curb, and then he got another, kind of like the Bachelor, Bachelorette thing. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of giving out roses and stuff like that. And he finally picks one, and it turns out that later on, what happened, David? I can't remember, but it's something like uh, he was Persian, and she was Jewish, and they had just a... I don't know something happened they were gonna he was gonna kill all the jewish people until he realized his wife was jewish who was that and then i think one of them 
by that time was like, okay, all right, when who it is, sister. So just <laughs> stories very, like that very to tricky, get their Mom. attention, you know, so that uh, partially to, um, so they would love them too. Side note, listeners, if you were hanging on every word of that, you can read the true story in the book of <laughs> Esther in your Bible. Yes. And it's all exactly like Abby just said, but she said it in a more 2021 kind of slang, so... Well, and if you also <laughs> want to read about it or celebrate, um, it's usually in March, I think, when Purim is, and they celebrate, and you can actually eat lots of carbs. So, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, okay. lots of carbs. We like carbs. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to do that, and it's, I thought, if the Bible says, then we should eat them, right? I mean, Exactly, and they celebrate, so, yeah, so that's a good holiday for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But anyway, we tried to, to um, get some stories in there that they'd be interested in so that they, too, would go, wow, wow, he's he's so cool, which he is. So, mm-hmm. but anyway. Do you remember a specific moment that you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Or do you feel like that was just a so young, I was so young in my childhood, I don't remember. What was your experience with Jesus? Um, that's a good question because I was I do remember, and I was nine years old. And I will say that I think to the capacity that a nine-year-old can understand what you're doing, I understood that. To the capacity that I understand what God is to me today, that wasn't even close. So, um, yes, I was nine years old, and I remember talking to my parents about it and that that's what I wanted to do. And um, so they they talked me through and talked to me about what it meant and— I, I remember that, but I will also say that when, you know, there were also turning points in my life where I went, oh, oh, wow, that, you are who you say you are, um, mm-hmm. even though I believed. But when I had my first child, that's when I really went, is that how much you love me? Are mm-hmm. you serious that mm-hmm. you love me that much? Because I'd never even had the capacity. To lo- I mean, I loved my parents and I loved other people and I loved David, but that's the kind of love that can't be mm-hmm. described. You know, your mother's love and wanting to protect and wanting to um, wanting the best for them and hurting when you see them go a different direction or whatever. That's when I got another dose of, this is how much, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is how much I love you. And it wasn't even so much that I accept, you know, or I want to serve you, which I did want to serve God, but it was a realization that you are who you say you are, whether I accept it or not. But, and I want to come under your umbrella of just love and protection, and I want to be with you as much as I can. I want to talk to you, I want to build a relationship with you, and you're. The one I come to when I'm sad and the one I come to when I'm glad. You're the first. And mm-hmm. um, that's that's kind of what I've, what I've always done, you know, mm-hmm. since I was nine. But I didn't quite understand everything I do now. Right. But I still don't understand everything there is to understand. But I understand enough to know that he's totally worth it. And I'm really the one that's not worth it. And so I am grateful, mm-hmm. grateful that he um, came and died for me. And still loves me every time I'm not there. Hmm. When he says, Abby, I want you to go right. And I go, let me just go left. Let me just do that. <laughs> let me just show you that left is fine. I heard you, but yeah. yeah, let me show you here. Um, that he still lovingly takes me right 
mm-hmm. right back in, and mm-hmm. he's right there, there with me. It's just it's it's hard because it's something that it's hard to describe. Mm-hmm. The deeper it gets, the harder it is to describe all that he is to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. But even like this week, you know, he gives you new insight all the time. Even this week, uh, I was doing my Bible study, and it talked about we were. I was in Kings, and it talked about this king walked in the way of his father and he walked in the way of his father and he walked. And so I texted Stephen, who of course is having a baby, as I mentioned earlier in August. And I'm like, all these people walked in the way of their father and you have got to know how important a father is Mm -hmm. because no matter what you say or do, they're going to walk in your ways most likely. And so, you know what, you got to make sure you're walking in the way of your father Mm -hmm. so that they'll see who, he is through you and they'll want it you know i mean sometimes people are like yeah i see a lot and i don't want that well i think when people really do get a glimpse of who he is they want it yes yes oh that's really really beautiful are you happening do you happen to be doing the bible recap bible study no i'm doing uh elijah Oh, okay. Because mm-hmm. Robin and I do the Bible recap. Mm-hmm. We happen to be in Kings right now. Oh, right cool. Now. Cool. And reading okay. the words that you just talked about. <gasps> oh, cool. <laughs> Isn't cool. That nice? Yes. And it's funny, too, how, you know, you can read something one day or one year, and it means something to you, and then the next year you're like, oh, oh wow, this means something completely different to me, and i got to talk to Stephen about it, that your kids are going to walk in your ways. Mm-hmm. And God has shown us that over and over, good kings and bad kings, and we want to walk in His ways, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and make sure that's where you are. Because you and I all know that I might do some things, and if I fall in a hole, that's okay. It'll hurt me, and I'll get scraped up, and I'm going to climb back out. But I want my kids to fall in a hole. Oh, isn't that so true? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want them to... To just have an easy life, which I know they're not going to, and I know that they haven't, but, um, you know, that's what you want for them. Yes. You want it to be. But then you get stronger when things are hard, mm-hmm. and you just watch them grow up, you know? And like we've just been talking about, these things, these truths in the Bible that you see at the right moment that is like a spiritual highlighter that you just needed it today, or this was a special verse to encourage this moment. Uh, The Bible is always fresh and new. No matter how many wonderful times we get to journey through it, there's always a new word from the Lord in the pages. Yeah, and when it says He'll bring remembrance back to us when we need it, I'm like, well, how can you remember something you never read? You know, Mm -hmm. so read it, and then later... He'll bring it back to your remembrance and you'll go, is that what you were talking about right here, right now? Um, And then you also get more confirmation that I'm going deeper and deeper into a place I want to go and I want to stay there, Mm -hmm. you know, find comfort and refuge here. uh, And I feel loved because I do think people can um, go, they can conquer a lot if they feel loved. Yes, Mm, that's good. Mm-hmm. And before we get into our Frayed Not story, I would love to also ask about your yoga. Tell us about this. This is really cool. Uh, uh, okay. Well, um, so I know this is odd for me because I started doing some yoga at 56 years old. So, awesome. Yeah. But um, part of, I, I guess, I, I think I mentioned earlier before we even started, everybody who knows me knows that I have ADHD and, and always have. And... 
um, one time I was on a plane and somebody said, my kid's got ADHD. What did you take when you were a child for that? And I said, mostly spankings. Because <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have medicine when I was a kid. It was just like, yo, sit down, you know. And so um, every report card I had was like, Abby talks too much. Abby oh, can't I stay in her chair. You can see that. Problem. Did you have that problem no, too? I also have that problem. Okay, good. I'm so glad because I have a lot of friends here, teachers, that I know sometimes are so grateful I was not in their class, <laughs> even though they love me. But they're like, oh yeah, yeah. So um, I, I say that to say because it brings me to the to the holy yoga thing. Um, I I wanted to move all the time, and even in church, we had a section of people who were deaf. And they would sing. And if you've ever seen them sing, their their arms are moving and they're all just singing together with their hands. And I'd be like, Mom, why can't I go over there with that cool group, right? And she's like, yeah, but they're dead. It's okay. I want to go. No, you need to stay here and be still, right? Like There have been times in my life where I went to certain churches where the only thing we really were allowed to do was a potluck. So <laughs> I couldn't go, but I learn and worship moving, right? So if yes. I'm at home by myself, I can sing and worship and move all over the place. And God loves me and he knows me. And I have come to the place that I realized that um, even though every report card I ever had had a horrible conduct grade on it, that God um, <laughs> made me this way. Mm-hmm. And um, I know I need to curb that I talk too much at times. But at the same time, every job I've ever had involved a lot of moving and a lot of talking. And so I have just realized this is what he made me for. Everything since my first job in college and moving forward. And so when I did discover some people at church invited me to go, and I discovered that I loved the movement. And and I will will say people do different things in yoga and have different beliefs in yoga. I think when I went first was because Chris said you need to get out of your don't just come to church. Be out with people who are different than you. And I've met some of the most fabulous people there and I've loved practicing with them. And so then I um went through holy yoga teacher training. And they showed you some um, ways to move and worship at the same time. And for me, it is absolutely perfect. And I I miss it if I am not able to do it. So there um, is a devotion when we go, and then there's Christian music playing when we do. But you're mainly just on your own mat, following directions, um, and worshiping and talking to God while you're doing those things and and stretching stretching and lengthening places you didn't know you had or you forgot you had them <laughs> and um, letting God stretch and lengthen what he wants to do in you at the same time it's just been really moving for me to to do that so I teach that every Sunday at two o'clock well, I am going to come and try. Well, your you class should come. You you're sometime. welcome. I to love come. to do things like that. Yeah, you're welcome to come. It's Sunday at two o'clock, and depending on when somebody hears this, you might check the schedule. But um, <laughs> right now, it's Sunday at two o'clock, and if it says Holy Yoga on it, it, it it's free. So just just feel free. And it's to at which? It's at Midtown Yoga Owasso, and. Um, yeah, there's a whole schedule online if you look there, but you'll see. I'm going to be checking that out. Some ladies <laughs> at church helped me um, through when I was doing my training. They would come, and 
let me teach. And then they would kind of go through the, the lessons and stuff. So we've been doing it for a little while and it's good. And it's, it's really, if people want to come, that's great. And if they don't, that's great too. Just whatever people want to do. If we can um, worship, I'm in. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about your growing up and your family because I know you're afraid not has a lot to do with that. Yeah, okay. Um, like I said before, I, or maybe I didn't, but my parents were like best parents award. Mm-hmm. And I love it when people think their parents are the best because I'm like, well, they're probably not because mine were the best. <laughs> but I do like it when people love their parents, yes. you know. So um, they were fantastic parents. My father was just the funniest person ever. Is and, he where you get your sense of humor? Well, well he was funnier than I've ever thought about being. <laughs> but if we were home, we were laughing. And um, he was kind and loving. And he stayed up when I got home from a date. And, you know, how was it? He talked to them before we left. Um, You know, you come out to go on a date, and he whistles like you're the most beautiful person there ever was. And um, and then he's waiting for you when you got home to see how everything went. And um, I'll... He danced with us in the, you know, in the dining room, and he was a he was just a great godly man who who was so loving to us and always made us feel safe. There, there was a, I guess I, I guess there was a time when everyone talked about getting a gun. Memphis might be a little dangerous, <laughs> and so uh, I think we were in high school, and so it was just all over the news, just people talking about we need a gun, we don't need a gun, and all this kind of stuff. So. We said, Dad, are you going to get a gun? And he said, oh, we don't, we don't need a gun. He was a big golfer. And he said, we don't, we don't need a gun. I said, why do we not need a gun? We'll be safe. And he says, I've got a golf club under the bed. I said, are you going to hit them with a golf club? And he goes, no, I'm just going to invite them out for a round of golf. And I don't know anybody who would refuse that. And, and we believed him because he, he played golf all the time. And I even prayed I would marry someone who played golf because it was so pretty on the golf course. And um, and then I did do that, and I realized, oh, that's not always, you know. Yeah, they are at the golf course a lot, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So anyway, and then, in fact, the night before I got married, my mother was like, I need to talk to you about some things. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm 28 years old. I don't want to have this talk. I figured it out already, right? <laughs> You're thinking the birds and the bees? Yeah, I thought that's what she's about to do, and I'm 28 years old, but whatever. So she said, um, David, David likes, this has been such good advice, but she said, David likes to play golf, and he's going to play golf. So you can get mad, or you can get glad. But I suggest that you find some things that you enjoy, like he enjoys golf, and you two enjoy your life together and apart, and you'll be a lot happier. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I've had to remind myself of that several times. That's when he gets really good advice. And course. she's yeah. talking from experience, too. Yes, yeah, she is. Yep. Since your dad was a golfer. Oh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but anyway, he was a, just a great man who we always felt completely loved. And then my mother was also fabulous. If I could be one-tenth of who she was, I would mm. be... I would be a fantastic person because she, you talk about living out uh, the word, she could do it. She did love God and she loved others and somehow or another she made it, she made it melt together and it made complete and total sense to me. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes I think, you know, back on some of the things that they did and some of the things they talked about and and she would say, here's why we're going to do this and we might be wrong, but we think that love's going to 
lead the way here. And so um, I, I ask myself that question sometimes now when something's happening and I think, hmm, if love leads the way, then, then what do I do here? Do I reject that person, that thing, that whatever? Um, or does love lead the way? Where's the line here? And, you know, it seems like the line gets different mm-hmm. over the years. But mm-hmm. but when, when you love God and love others, I think that's where it starts and that's where it ends, basically. Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, that's about my parents. They were fabulous. My mother was just as smart as she could be, and she was an accountant. Um, and she, I loved accounting too, and I wanted to major in accounting. And my parents both said, "We think that you will not do well in any job that you're required to sit still and not talk." Yes, and so they didn't forbid me to to not major in accounting, but they did say that we think that's probably not the best major for you. And so I didn't major in accounting. I minored in accounting because I liked it, but but they could not have been more right um, about that as well. So so I would look to her even when she passed away. I think I, I called Chris and I said, well, I need to ask you a question. Um, and for people who don't know, Chris is our pastor. So I need to ask you a question because I cannot talk to the greatest theologian I know. So I'm going to come to you because you're the second. And it was like, okay, is that? Because my mother could tell you about the Bible and she could put it into everyday um, situations like no other. And so when she was gone, I lost, you know, Mm -hmm. I lost, I lost that. It's a beautiful compliment to give your mom. Oh, and she, well, and she deserves it. And I guess that's really my afraid not, you know, the place I don't want to go. Um, and that is that we had this completely loving family, but one day my father began to not just forget things, but put things in the wrong place. And it was a little alarming, but when you're in the middle of it, you kind of deny, you just get into denial. Sometimes now I'll even still be in denial and then go, Abby, that's not, this is, he was textbook Alzheimer's. And then my mother um, was blind. So he wasn't blind from birth, but she had diabetes. And so after years and years of having diabetes, it affected her eyes. So we had a father with Alzheimer's, a mother who was going blind, three kids in diapers, and we packed up and moved to, to Oklahoma. So actually, we moved to Texas first. And um, Where were you coming from? Tennessee. Okay. Memphis, Tennessee. Right. Okay, so you're from still Memphis, Tennessee, Tennessee okay. and then we moved to Texas. And David's job moved us to Texas. And um, if you, some people just move with ease. I did not. I didn't want to leave my parents there. And at the time we initially moved, we didn't know what to do. So David worked for six months in Texas and came home every weekend. And he left when Sarah was six weeks old. Oh my goodness, uh-huh. what a hard time for you. I, well, and I oh. brought a lot of it on myself. So before you feel sorry for me, because um, I could have picked up and gone to Texas, but I didn't want to go to Texas, although I felt drawn to take care of them as well, right? So Sarah is six weeks old, and David is he's so such a good dad. I'm so lucky, and my kids are lucky to have him. He, he wanted them with him so bad that he was like, well, let me take one back with me each time I come home. And that'll give you a break, and then I'll get to see them so. And I am ashamed to say that I said no. Oh. Yes, and my mother, <laughs> when she heard wind of that, she was like, 
you are not serious. You've got a man who wants to be with his children and it would help you and it would be good for them. And you said, no, is that what you're saying to me? And she never said, here's what you're going to do. But she would say she was brilliant at helping you figure out what you needed to do. Mm -hmm. And then about two years later, you'd think, I think she tricked me. I'm not sure. But she was like, is that what you're telling me? And so I realized I was not doing the right thing. And so he he took one every weekend back with him. And then um, I just had two. Even Sarah, who was just months old. Aww. I know. I was like, Arr! But I knew he could do it. He was great with the, other, with the boys. So he did that. And, and then uh, my parents moved with us to, to Texas. And it was... Yeah, it was a crazy house. It was a crazy house. So I can remember making a plate for dinner. I would you you couldn't like take everything to the table because no one but David and I could get their own food, right? Oh wow! So oh, we would line the goodness. plates up on the counter, and I would just assembly line make all the plates, and I'd always make one extra plate. Because something would happen to one of them. So it would either break or somebody would stick their finger in it or something would happen. And, it, you know, and so, uh, yeah. So we always made one extra plate because something always happened to it. I don't think it ever did we go, look, we've got one we can save for later. No, we didn't have that. <laughs> so it, even if we brought the plates over, we got to where we brought the plates over and, um, we would say the blessing. And one time we said the blessing and, um, Seth started crying, and we're like, why are you crying? He's like, Papa's ate my food, you know, while we were having our little blessing. And so I felt so bad because I knew that he didn't know, and Seth didn't know. And so um, little things like that, you know, besides the fact that you were just exhausted, you know, mm-hmm. were, were sometimes painful that this man that um, made you feel like you were his everything mm-hmm. didn't know who you were anymore. And he didn't know who any of us were. And so, therefore, he was scared. And I never, I didn't get into details with other people about it, not just because I didn't have time, which I did not, because you're busy doing these survival other things. Survival mode. You're definitely in survival mode. And I also wanted to honor them and mm-hmm. not say anything that I would not want said about me, even if I didn't think anything of it. Mm-hmm. If they would think something of it, I didn't want to embarrass them. I just thought this would be my way of honoring my mother, my father. So, now, do you have siblings? I do. I have one sister who's also fabulously fantastic, and um, you know how you have families who disagree and can't argue, can't argue or can't come to conclusion. She was never like that. The reason my parents came to live with us is because instead of her, is because. We had our three kids, and Dad did seem to love them a lot, mm-hmm. and he had a good time when they was mm-hmm. with them, and we thought it was better for him. And so that was good, too, because my parents didn't have to choose between either one of us. All of us were like, wherever he'll do better, go there, and, and we're good with it. But mm-hmm. she was always more fun than me. She would come into town, and... Um, I was a little fearful that something's going to happen. So, Dad, don't do anything. You just sit in that chair. Don't get up. You know, any anything. But when she would come in town, she took him 
to the place that he taught us to drive the car, and she gave him the keys. Oh! And she said, "We." She said, "Would you like to drive the car? Because once you take the keys away from your parents or someone who has Alzheimer's, well, the next day they don't remember you've taken the keys, so they're looking for the keys, and then you have to go through again that I'm taking the keys away from you, and that's painful too. And so mm-hmm. she came into town, and she." Um, drove up there and said, would you like to drive the car? And he said, yes. And she said, we just drove until he was, he said, I'm done. And then she got back out on the street. It was back behind a school and school was out. Mm -hmm. But she was more fun than me. She would do stuff like that with him. And um, I, I, I learned a lot from taking care of someone with Alzheimer's because at first I thought I'm going to have my job and I'm going to be a mom and I'm going to be a wife, but I'm going to be a good daughter and I'm going to take care of them myself. And you really cannot do that. Hmm. So um, it took a while for me to accept that that was true. But but once I realized I need to be the facilitator of their care and not their 100% caregiver, you're still exhausted. There's still plenty to do. Mm-hmm. You're still exhausted, and you still just want them, you know, to be happy. So I I can remember Seth would, um, Stephen would go in because the doctor told us to throw a ball, a big beach ball, throw this beach ball to him, play games with him, and it may help his you know, cognitive function, and it may not. But Stephen would come in, and he would play with him with this beach ball because Stephen was young. And then, of course, Seth would come in, and my dad would go, who is that? Which Seth thought was funny, and my mother and I would start crying because we're like, it's Seth, and he was just in here. But Seth thought it was a hoot because he thought he was joking with him, you know. And then when Sarah was born, he kind of alternated. He would thought she was either me or my sister. and So that was sweet, you know, because Mm -hmm. he'd sort of be like, to me, so you're like, yeah, whoever you are, but this is Abby or this is Valerie. And so hmm. he didn't want anyone to hurt her or he wanted to watch out for her and stuff like that. And so that was that was sweet, but but also painful because you're like, that's not me and that's not Valerie. And um, and also that comes along with it is a little fear. Mm-hmm. You know, I would try to go by my parents' house, and when, um, because I was grown, this is in Memphis, I would try to go by the house and just take him out for a little while, let my mom maybe sleep a little bit, and they always liked to, they knew where all the coupons were for like senior night here, there, and whatever, so I'd be like, where do we have coupons tonight, Dad, because I can't go get the discount unless you go with me, and so he would go with me, get in the car, and we would go, and so One night we went um, someplace, and I said, I'm going to stop and get gas. I grew up in a time where you went to get gas, and about four people ran out and put your gas in and washed your windshield, you know, all of that. And that had stopped for years. It wasn't happening. But my father always got my gas, all of us. Every night he would be, who needs gas, my mother, my sister, or me? And he'd go fill up all the cars that needed gas. And so we paid for it, mind you, because when we got old enough. But he did. So he got out of the car, and he started putting the gas in. And I said, thank you, Dad, for putting my gas in. I really hate putting gas in the car. And to this day, I still hate putting gas in the car because <laughs> I just didn't really ever have to do it, right? And I do run out of gas 
a couple of times a year. Oh, no. But anyway, that's another story, oh, not this story. one. There's, there's more than one. But anyway, that's not important right now. Um, but I said, I hate putting gas in the car. And he said, yeah, I do too. Um, one time I was putting gas in the car and the ground just opened up and just swallowed me in there. And that hurt me too because this is just something that he... You know, his brain was not working right, and this is something that he really thought happened, and it's got to be fearful Mm -hmm. to live like that. And you don't want him to be scared. And this is so weird. I love my parents so much, as, as a lot of people do. I worried how they would die. This is so weird. I didn't want them to hurt. I just want, let me just, let them just go when they, but I, instead of worrying about how they would die, I started worrying about how in the world are they gonna live? And um, there was a time when my dad still drove, and my mother was so sharp, even though she couldn't see, she would know where they were. And she would say, you need to take a right up here. When you get to the light, you need to take a left. Because he would not know his bearings, and she could not see, but she could remember where the streets and the lights and all that was. And so they almost functioned like one person. Mm -hmm. And... um, yeah, so they they were something else, but I I would skip that whole part if I could. Mm-hmm. And yet, um, my all three of my children are not really afraid to talk to people who are old. I'll say old, and they know that there's some wisdom there that they're actually interested in, and that has really paid off. Not just in their um, lives, but when they got their first jobs. You know, they started working with people that were a lot older than them, and they were able to... Um, not be intimidated or anything. Not intimidated, yeah. and they they were able to accept what they had to give, and they just had a way about them to also give back to the person who wasn't able to accept what somebody else was bringing in just because they didn't understand it. You've got these generations that are way apart, and... It, it worked out good for them, and I just wonder um, sometimes if that is what, you know, God had in store for them to learn. Mm-hmm. And you can't, some things you can't learn any other way except being in it. And it may not be fun, but I don't, I'm not one of those who thinks that God causes things to happen, but I definitely think He can take something and make it good. Mm-hmm. And or for your, you know, beauty from ashes. And I think he did that for them when my father died at his funeral. Our the pastor who was their pastor came up to me and said, I've never ever had a service where I had so many calls and stories about good things about someone as mm-hmm. I had with your dad. And he goes, I I had to pick and choose the things that I want to say and talk about because they're all just fantastic stories and I don't know if there's anybody like him and I'm like well of course that's the way I feel right because he's my dad but he my parents were also fabulous to David I think at one point even though it started out where they forbid me to see him um, by the time we got married he they were his parents too Mm -hmm. and he thought of them as his parents and so I think because he did when they came to live with us and that was tough on him as well had to be right Mm -hmm. um he was ready and he loved them as much and they loved him just like they loved my sister and I and so um yeah it was a hard time but I did learn that 
I couldn't do all of their care. I would say that. When you ask about Mm -hmm. if there's a tip for somebody, if one of their parents has Alzheimer's, um, you have to be the, you cannot take care of them all by yourself. Um, you, you Did will you have to get hiring them. like home health people to come in? Well, we started out and took him to, and when this was in Texas, and we took him to an adult daycare they had there. Mm-hmm. And um, that did end up, the people there were so fabulous. He, um, he was vice president of the company that he worked for. And so one day I went in to pick him up. And I couldn't find him. And I went to the office to see if they knew where he was. And um, he was sitting at the director's desk, okay? And she's sitting over <laughs> at a little card table. <laughs> and not a card table, like a TV tray. And she's working on her some things. And I kind of looked at her and she said, your dad has been so busy today. He's hired so many people. And he's done oh. a lot of performance reviews. And he's given me a raise twice today and he was just she's like he's happy and he's doing what he knows he does and so I moved over here and I'm getting lots done and he's getting lots done and he was pushing papers around and evaluating people and hiring people and he you know it was I thought I'm so grateful for y'all because Mm -hmm. they just let him Mm -hmm. they just let him be what he needed to be and they also let him bring his golf clubs and they would go outside and just hit golf balls until he was done Hitting golf balls, which, you know, it's not many things Elsie loved as much as hitting the golf balls. So they did that. And then when we moved here, um, my father passed away about three weeks after they moved to Oklahoma. So then my mother was still here. But then as she got older, and not just her blindness, but, you know, she had other issues, too, that go along with having diabetes. So I... I called Paige, and he was just starting with Visiting Angels. Paige Cole. Yes. Yes. And he was just starting that up, and he was just a godsend to us. He sent this lady named Patty, who just became part of our family, really. And she, um, we had tried lots of people. It's hard to get someone to come in and and, um, care for someone in your home and so we had tried lots of people never anybody that really could do it um or was willing to do it or knew what to do whatever um but when patty came she she um was just she was family to us and she 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 helped in whatever area my mom needed and was very in tune with my mom so i will always be grateful to Paige and visiting angels for for all that they you know, did for sure it was a big mm-hmm. help. Like going to the grocery store, did some mild cleaning up and and stuff like that. Uh, not just sit down and talk to her. And I guess she would if she wanted to, but my mother wasn't really like that. She liked to read her books, and she had her Bible on tape, and um, she liked listening to stuff like that. And so Patty came in and went to work. And when my mother was ready to talk, she talked to her. And when she wasn't, she didn't. She was in touch with that. And so I don't know if it was just Patty or if it was Paige's training, but either way, she was, um, she was fabulous. And he was fabulous because he, he helped us figure out a schedule. You know, he just helped us with a lot of things. And I will always be grateful to, to his insight for sure. Mm -hmm. sure. How long was this Time period that your parents lived with you? 17 years. Oh, my. Yeah, my father wasn't there that whole time. Years. Because he passed away, you know. But my mother, 17 years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So, and there were times that made, that was really difficult where I had to just say, Mama, I've got to choose right now between you and going to my kid's ball game. And it's so hard for me to do that because I want you to know I want to be here and I want to do X, Y, Z, but I got to, I need to be there at the ball game and I want to be in both places. And luckily my mother was again, the most fabulous person that ever lived, but she always understood. And she was always like, no, you've got to be. In fact, she did go to church with us and she, I can't remember what it was. She was going to go. Her class was at a different hour than our class. There was something like that going on. And we said, well, David can take you and and then we'll come up there after. It was something there like that. And my mother's like, no, we're not we're not doing that because we're gonna go to church as a family. And if you can't go to church as a family, then I'll stay here. But I'm not gonna keep y'all from going to church as a family together because that's what you need to do. Now this is somebody who is stuck at home in a new place and has no friends there who probably desperately wanted to go to church, but she was willing to give it up if it meant that we wouldn't all be able to go together. And that's kind of just how she was. And so I will say when some people will say, How do you how do y'all live together? You're so nice for letting your parents live with you. Um, it is a two-way street for sure. Um they were never mean to us. They were always understanding. I think they were afraid a little bit sometimes about, like I said, how they would live, but they were never mean. Um, and sometimes I think I might be mean when I'm older, if I'm hurting. You know, if you're in pain, sometimes mm-hmm. you say and do things you don't, you didn't expect to come out. And so I hope not, but I could see if they were, but they weren't. They were even, and even with them being fabulous people and us loving them so much that you have just a lump in your throat every day for 17 years because you're just worried a little bit about them um even with that it's still exhausting for them and for you Mm -hmm. you know so if somebody out there has a parent that needs some help I, i would say to them don't try to do it all by yourself because i remember telling David one day, I feel like a terrible daughter, a terrible wife, a terrible mother, and a terrible employee because I feel like I don't do everything to its fullest. And you were just spread so thin yeah. between all of those people that needed you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then my mother used to say I'd walk into her apartment and I'd just plop down and it's just so tired, Mom, and, you know, it's so loud in there, blah, 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 blah. And she goes, well, she would say, it could be worse. There could be no noise, and there'd be nothing to be tired about because there'd be no one in your life. And I'm like, oh, that is worse. Let me get back in there and jump back in the middle of it because <laughs> it, really is, it really is true. And so sometimes the things that exhaust you end up being some of the greatest things in your life, you know. So they definitely were two of the greatest things in my life. And my sister, too. Just a fabulous family, which Mm -hmm. makes me think, and I don't know who said this one time, but this is what spurred me on to go to mission trips and stuff sometimes. What if you weren't born there? What if you were born into a family who never knew about God? Not only didn't know it because they weren't told, but they didn't see it, and so therefore they didn't understand it. Because you can hear and not understand, and you can see and not really know. Um... And boy, that struck me. When they said it, I thought, oh, no wonder I have a responsibility to tell what I know. I'm not responsible for what people do with that information. But I am responsible to tell, not 
just obligation, but out of complete and total gratitude Mm -hmm. for what I experienced. And what a selfish person I would be to experience all those things and not share that with someone else. That, That makes sense. So... Anyway, that's sort of a downer on all of that part because it was it was a tough time. Mm-hmm. But so did your your mother kept her mental faculties? The oh whole yeah, time? oh yeah, she she did, and she um, she and you know the story. I wasn't really going to tell it, but the story about um, when she died, Rebecca Carter wrote a song for her, and Rebecca had the song patented too, and she gave me the patent what and all sweet, of that. Sweet, sweetheart. So, oh my gosh, has. so sweet. And she recorded it and gave it to me on a CD, which I listen to sometimes. But um, mm. Rebecca uh, Carter, who plays the harp, she came over, and my mom um, was at home when she passed away. We knew she was going to pass away, and so we were there with her. And Rebecca just played the harp for her, and um, How for soothing. a long time. Oh, it was soothing for all of us. And David, her bed was still in there, and her hospital bed was in there. And David lowered the hospital bed so it was the same height as her bed, and lowered the little rail thing down and pushed it over close so I could stay there, just in bed with her, like. You did when you were a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and Rebecca didn't require any talking from me. She just let me lay there with her, and and she played until it was time for her to go. And it's um, so beautiful. I don't know if I told you this, but we had a girl from our church that was helping with mom when she was put on hospice. So we had her come in and try to help with us. And I think she was only there for like a couple of weeks, but... When Rebecca came in, she said, and my mother could no longer talk, but she was still breathing and we think could hear us and all that, but she couldn't talk. And so they were, this girl that had come in to help us and Rebecca were talking. And she, Rebecca said, you know, well, what, do you, what do you do? Because she was a college age kid. Well, I normally go on a mission trip each summer, but I didn't get enough money this year to go on a mission trip. And she said, um, so Rebecca asked her some questions about the mission trip. And she said, um, well, you can go online and look, they've already gone and come back and you can go online and you can see, um, some of the stuff we did and where we went and all that stuff. And you'll know exactly the right pictures because they all have on these orange shoes. And, uh, she goes, orange, Rebecca said, orange shoes. And she said, yeah, we were praying that we could get them some shoes. And all of a sudden, someone donated all these orange shoes and one pair of, of like, maroonish color shoes. And Rebecca said, that was me. I donated those shoes. Oh, my She said, goodness. about a month ago, I came in. It was some brand-name shoes for littler kids. And we were somewhere, and they had a markdown to $2 a pair. And this rest of this, I'm probably not going to get exactly right. If Rebecca listens, she'll go, that's not even exactly right. But you'll know <laughs> the gist of it. And, and they were $2 a pair. And she said, you know, to her husband, Richard, I, I want to buy these shoes. And he's like, what are you going to do with 60 pair of orange shoes that nobody <laughs> else wanted, right? But they're good shoes and blah, blah. And she goes, I don't know. But I just hate to pass up, which is another thing I love about her. Let's not pass up a good deal, right? So they're $2 a pair, and she bought them. And then um, I don't even think she knew that they had been wanting the shoes. But she found out they were going to a mission, on this mission trip, and she said, could you use some shoes? 
And they said yes, but they didn't want the shoe boxes. They just wanted the shoes. And she took all the shoes out, and she took them to them. And there those pictures were of those kids playing ball in orange shoes. And I thought to myself, thank you, God, that this was for my mother. This story was for my mother, that God is still in control of Mm -hmm. everything. And it would not be long before she would see him face to face Mm -hmm. because they were right you know, one was on one side of the bed, one was on the other, they were just talking to each other. And so she heard it all, and I, I, I just felt like that she probably was going, yeah, I don't doubt that at all, mm-hmm. you know. And so it was just a sweet little a sweet little story. And um, once my mom, uh, Seth was a little bit out of pocket, and so we were having trouble getting him, and so we told him that she couldn't talk, and um we laid the phone, you know, next to us and just tell her whatever you want to tell her. And we're not in here, so just hang up when you want to hang up because we're not listening. And in a little bit, we'll come in here and get the phone. So feel free to say whatever you want to say, you know, to her. And he did. And um, and then very soon after he did, she passed away. And we kind of felt like she was waiting you know, to talk to him. Yeah, right. And Stephen went in and talked to her, and we were like, "You go, you we'll go in with you." But she was just in her bedroom, you know, laying in the bed. But she could still talk at that time, and and I'm I, I could hear him say, "Are you scared?" And I was thought, "Oh, don't ask her if she's scared. I'm, why'd you ask her if she's scared?" You know what I mean? I, I just wouldn't have asked that question because I it was uncomfortable, right? But again, he was not uncomfortable with her. He had just always felt like he could come to them with anything and they would they would love him. And I heard her say, I'm not scared at all. This is what I've lived my life for and it won't be long before I'll be face to face with Jesus and I'll see your I'll see Papa again. And really what what's there to be afraid of, you know? And I thought, here she is comforting him and all of us in a time that is probably tough for her. But again, that's just who she was. Mm -hmm. So I got to experience the good and then the sad. And I guess if you're not sad when somebody passed away, then that's, you know, that's not good either. (laughs) So anyway, I was lucky enough to love them enough that it was, it was really tough when they passed Mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that story. You're welcome. Tender. So Help someone to, to, um, get help if they need help so I do think that's really important was there any particular verse or bible story or passage or something that um during your hard days maybe more hard days than not hard days <laughs> that the lord just gave you encouragement or, or strength mm-hmm. what were mm-hmm. you clinging to any specific things that were yes and I wrote it down because sometimes when people ask me for a verse that is my favorite and I say in my mind a lot and then I forget what it is um and I'll give you this one example. I was working in um, Sunday school one Sunday, and Ben Cole was in there with me, thank goodness, because he was helping me. And uh, we had to learn a verse that was not exactly the way I learned it, and it had motions to it. And so I kept messing it up, right? <laughs> and so I got home and I said to David, I messed up this, I messed up the verse, thank goodness. Ben Cole was in there, and he kind of stepped in and was helping me with it. And, and David goes, was it a hard verse? I said, yes, it was a really hard verse. And he goes, what verse was it? And I said, John 3.16. <laughs> and it was just, I, I had added some words in there that, you know, just a different version than I had learned. Right. So I couldn't. Anyway, anyway, so I thought, I better write this down because while we're talking on the, 
microphone here. I might get get mixed up, but um, it not just then, but even now, I look back at it. It's still my favorite verse. It's Ephesians one eleven, and it, it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Hmm, that's good. And you know, sometimes it takes hard hardship to find out what we're living for. Yeah, that's true. And you just get a little stronger than you were the day before. And I wouldn't choose it ever would I choose it, but I'm grateful for it. And I'm sure you wouldn't you wouldn't take back one of those moments that you had with yeah. your mom and your dad. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean Yeah. I the did. hard times were hard, but you were there. Yeah. Oh, and I you're right. It, and I look back and I've had a good night's sleep for several years now and, and I think uh, what an honor to be able to take care of the people who took care of me and who mm-hmm. loved me when I didn't understand it. And I'm sure they didn't understand it either, you know, mm-hmm. but, and, and you didn't need thanks. You'd already gotten the thanks years ago when they, you know, my father wrote out my little Sunday school envelope and stuffed it in my Bible every Sunday and <laughs> little things like that you bank on because you're like, I remember when you did X, Y, Z and I am so grateful. And so I'm going to pick this fork up and I'm going to put it to your mouth and I'm going to make sure that you get what you need for today. And tomorrow, we'll worry about tomorrow. Right. But for today, we've made it through another day. I know that you're not looking for a compliment, Abby. I'm, I know that. But I just, I thank you for your example. Mm-hmm. I thank you for your for your example of selflessness and serving. And mm-hmm. I mean, you even said... Uh, uh, at the beginning of the episode that you were talking about working in the youth group and you said, well, honestly, a better word for it is serving. And I, I just think the story you've shared with us, what a beautiful example of serving. Serving. It's beautiful. Well, I appreciate it because, you know, you don't feel like it. You always feel like I'm not doing enough or I'm not doing as, as much as has been done for me. Um, but... God gets you through mm-hmm. what I don't know how people get through without right. knowing him and trusting him. Right. I don't know. And not even just the bad times, but even the good times. I'm like, well, who do you talk to first? <laughs> you know? I mean, like I talked to David, but I'm like, I I not first. Not yeah. first for sure. So um yeah. But anyway, thank you for that, and it it is an honor when you. I've told several people. I know you are in a tough time right now, and I know you're not getting any sleep. But when it is all over and said and done, you're going to be glad you did. You're going to be mm-hmm. glad you did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am. I am glad. I don't really see it as selfless, but I I just saw it as a loving um, opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, to show some love that they had showed me. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. To share with us. Thanks, Abby. Thank you. Listeners, we are so glad you were here today. Thanks for being here to listen to this great story that Abby shared with us. Something that I love about this story is hearing how, from her earliest memories to today, that Abby's been growing in her journey with God and understanding Him more and more. And she shared. The more I know, the more I've realized how much God loves me and how it's so hard to understand it, but I'm just so grateful how much He loves me. And I just, I felt so, that's such a beautiful thought to just wrap yourself up in like a blanket and how much God loves you. 
how much God loves you. And I really liked her referencing in the Book of Kings when it's talked about this person walked in the way of the fa their fathers and this person did and this person did. And even if you don't have it, if you do or if you don't have an earthly father that you feel like you want to walk in their way, your heavenly father, you can always walk in his way. Mm -hmm. And even our earthly fathers, a lot of times they have things we need to walk in their ways so we need to take care of our families. So make sure you remember to rate and review and subscribe and we'll see you again in two weeks. Bye everyone.